We're in our last week in a series uh, going through the book of James, talking about what does it look like to move beyond useless faith. And if you're just kind of joining us for the first time, or maybe you've uh, been coming a couple times and haven't listened to uh, all of these, I would encourage you to go back and uh, listen to them if you are interested in the book of James, or if you're interested even just what does it look like to actually have faith touch and impact all of my life? Because faith can easily be this thing that's just, I mean, what does it even mean? It can just be this kind of word or this idea or this kind of esoteric thing, but what does it actually mean to have faith, a relationship with God, a confidence, a belief in who he is and what he's done? What, what does that look like to have that actually touch and affect every different part of our life? And that's why, that's why James writes the book, and it's a great book, uh, and I've enjoyed just kind of spending time in this book with you all over the last uh, several weeks. Next week, we will begin a series talking about work. Um, and doesn't have a fancy title. It's just called work. Um, so that's uh, that's what we're talking about uh, next week for a handful of weeks, and, and we'll look at all kind of different aspects of that, uh, what it looks like to choose a job and the struggles that we have and relationships in our work and what God's purpose is for our work and all sorts of different things around work. So if you've got work issues, which most people do, uh, we will be talking about that. So uh, today is our last week, and let me just pray as we begin in this uh in this great book. Father, would you uh, just use this time that we have together this morning uh, to speak to our hearts? I, I don't know uh, where everybody is in this room or all the different things that we have going on, but I, but I do ask that you would communicate to us, that you would uh, speak to us, that you would lead us, that you would help us where we need help, that you would maybe convict us where we need conviction or comfort us where we need comfort. God, we believe that uh, you speak to us, and so we want to hear from you today, and I ask that you would allow this time to be helpful for us towards that end. In your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. So all of us uh, wake up to difficulty every morning. We, we wake up to a world that's filled with all sorts of issues and problems in it. Don't we? I mean, I mean, you can look at the news. I don't know how many of you, maybe it's a regular habit to kind of pull up your uh, news feed or to pull up certain news resources, whether that's Yahoo News or the Apple News Feed or whatever it is. But you, you might wake up and read the news of some sort or you just see people that have posted articles and whether that's shootings or it's kind of injustices that are happening in our world or just people that have been killed or tragic accidents, school buses, all, all sorts of things that, that we wake up to every single morning. We wake up to a world that's filled with difficulty. We wake up to a world that's filled with suffering in it, that's filled with trouble in it, that's filled with hardship in it. And that's, that's true in the world, but it's also true in our lives. Some of you, I know that's very real to you. You were hoping maybe to come to church and get away from those facts. But, but we wake up to the fact that life is hard. And that maybe you're being mistreated in life right now. That maybe you feel alone in life right now and don't have a, life is hard and you don't actually even have anybody to help you in life or even just to have fun with in life. That we wake up to a difficult world, but we also wake up to our own lives that are just difficult lives where we feel alone or we feel mistreated or maybe you're experiencing the effects of things that have happened in your past that are still very real to you today or maybe you're in the middle of situations where you're experiencing abuse or maybe you're experiencing injustices from people treating you poorly or lying about you or slandering you or all, all sorts of different things that, that we experience that are hard, stressful, work situations, relationship situations, bills to pay, where life is difficult. 
Life is hard. We don't, we don't wake up. Nobody wakes up and just says, man, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood and, and everything is going to go awesome today and this week, and I'm sure of it. I mean, nobody wakes up like that. Uh, you might end up like that in the afternoon if you're using some substances, but nobody wakes up like that, right? Nobody just wakes up and says, life is amazing and everything's going to go great for the rest of my life. Um, but even though life is hard, what if we could face those difficulties knowing, man, they're probably not going to go away. Some things might go away, some things might stay, but knowing, man, life might be hard, life might be difficult, your life right now might be hard and might be difficult, but what if we could face that knowing that we can still thrive in the middle of it? What if we could face that knowing, man, we can still actually use that to help us in our life, and that it doesn't, even though there's difficult circumstances, that doesn't mean that that has to crush us, and this is what James is going to talk about today, this is where James is going to help us today, that suffering, that the difficulty that we have in life, we can actually thrive. We can actually thrive in the middle of it. But in order to do that, we need to know what can happen if we don't use suffering in a way that is helpful and what we need in order for it to be helpful and how to get that. So those are the three things we're going to look at. And so I'll just read the, the, the whole passage that we'll look at, and then we'll go through this. Here's what he says. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Here's the first question that we will look at is, why do we need help in our suffering? Why do we need help? What, what happens if we don't get help in the middle of our suffering? And a lot of things can happen, right? And this is just one passage in the Bible. A lot of times, and I just want to say this, and as we talk about, I mean, we're talking about suffering and life being difficult. This passage doesn't speak to everything that could ever be said about suffering or everything that could ever be said about life being difficult. So I just want you to know that there's all sorts of things the Bible says about suffering and difficulty, but this is a particular thing that James wants us to help, he wants to help us with. And, and here's what can happen without being helped in the middle of our suffering. James tells us two things that can happen. One is that we grumble. We begin to complain. And, and you know this, right? When life gets hard, don't we just don't, don't we just kind of begin to focus on everything that's hard and everything that's bad? There's an old country song that's called, I don't even know the title of it, but it just says, I hate everything. And I love it. It's great. You know, I, I think that's the title of most country songs. But it's, it's, also, it's also just like, man, when life is hard, when your girlfriend breaks up with you, when stuff is rough, when, when you can't pay the bills, it's not just that particular thing that's rough. You begin to just kind of see everything, right, as bad as, man, this thing sucks, and that thing's lame, and this per and just begin to kind of complain and grumble in our our focus begins to narrow in on that which is hard. But it's not just that about life, and it's not just kind of we see this and don't like it, see this and don't like it. James actually says we begin to grumble against one another. We begin to complain against one another. And he's, he's talking about suffering. He's talking about life that is difficult. But then he says, you know what begins to happen? In the middle of life being difficult, we begin to grumble against one another. 
they might not even have anything to do with the situation that we're facing. But you know this is true. When life begins to be hard for you, isn't it true that those that are close to you, you begin to start to find things to complain about in them? You had a hard day at work, and you come home, and the person that's at home, they might have had nothing to do with it at work, right? But you get, unless you, you know, live with your boss, but you come home, and then you begin to take it out on them. And we even say, look, what's, what's the problem? Was work hard, or why are you... Why are you complaining against me? Why are you grumbling against me? And life gets hard, but what happens, what happens if we don't, what happens if we don't process our suffering well, or, or if we don't get help in the middle of our suffering, we turn against the people that are in our lives, even though they might have nothing to do with it. We, I mean, and man, I see this happen all the time where someone is going through something rough, and instead of actually being able to lean on the people in their lives that, that we need, instead of being able to actually rely on them, they begin to see everything wrong with those people. Man, you're not there like I need you. You're not even, you're not helping me the way I need your help. You, you, I mean, you saw that I was going through a rough day. I posted it on Facebook, and you didn't text me. You didn't encourage me. Didn't you see my, didn't you see my Instagram stories? It was filled with me crying, and you didn't say anything about it. Maybe no one's ever said that, but I mean, that, that kind of thing, right? Where life is going hard, and what happens is the person might not even be involved in it, but we begin to complain against one another. Why aren't you there for me? Why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you doing enough? You don't understand me. You don't get it. And we begin to turn against the very people that could be there for us. James says, if we don't get help in the middle of suffering, this is one of the things that begins to happen. We begin to grumble against the people in our lives. They're not the cause of it, but we turn against them. And then James gives us a second thing that can happen in the middle of suffering. If we don't get help, he says that we begin to swear. And not that kind of swear. We do that also. But it's, it's something of swearing like making a promise, making an oath. He says, don't swear by heaven or swear by earth or just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And, and, and some people kind of find this a little bit confusing that this is kind of thrown in here in the middle of a suffering passage. So teachers and people that kind of comment on this kind of stuff, they, they have all sorts of different opinions of why does James put this here in the middle of, he's talking about life is hard, life is difficult, and then he starts to talk about, hey, don't swear. Don't say, man, I swear to God, or I swear to... I remember when I was in high school, my friends, they would always be like, man, do you put that on your mom? Do you put that on... Put that on us. Put that on us, which is like, swear on us. It's really weird language that doesn't mean anything for 15-year-olds to be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swear on our relationship that's going to last six months, you know? And, and James is saying, don't, don't do any of that kind of stuff. Don't do that. Like, in the middle of your suffering... Why is James talking about this? And honestly, people have kind of different ideas of why that's there, but at least it means this. In the middle of our difficulty, and you know this, in the middle of our suffering, we have the tendency. In the middle of our suffering, in the middle of our difficulty, we have the tendency, we have the tendency to say things and not stick to it. We have the tendency to say things and try to wiggle out of it in some way to make commitments and, and back out of them. And this might be to those that are suffering. So we might say, man, I will be there for you. I will pray for you. Yes, I will help you. Yeah, I'm going to show up. Man, you can count on me. Man, whatever's going on in your life, I'll be there. I'll, 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 I'll show up. I'll, I'll, I'll watch your kids. I'll, I'll cry with you. I'll, if you need anything, and we have the tendency in the middle of suffering to kind of make these promises, to make these oaths, to, to swear and say, I'm, I'm going to commit to something, and then try to back out of it, try to wiggle out of it. 
And James might have kind of some other things that he's trying to communicate here, but at the very least, it means that in the middle of our suffering, if we, if we don't have help, we can, we can complain against one another and grumble against one another, even when people have nothing to do with it. And we can begin to make commitments and swear about things and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to promise, I'll pray for you, I'll be there, and make unrealistic things and then not do those. And here's what happens in both of these situations. When we complain against one another and when we begin to make promises, you know what begins to happen? We lose trust with each other. And in the middle of suffering, we actually need one another, but when we complain against one another and make promises that we're going to be there for one another, and we don't, what begins to happen is the very people that we need in the middle of suffering, we actually begin to pull away from, or they begin to pull away from us. So then in the middle of suffering, and, and you've seen this happen in your life, and I've seen it happen in my life, we actually become isolated. We become more and more kind of, man, nobody gets me, nobody can help me. I reached out for help and no one was there. They said they were going to help me and they didn't come through. And they don't even understand me anyway. They've never had anything hard in their life. They don't get what I'm going through. And we actually begin to pull, without help in our suffering, we begin to pull away from relationships. Both of these things, what James is talking about, is the key here with both these things is our suffering without help begins to break our relationships. It begins to affect our community. Instead of community being the thing that we go, man, I'm thriving because of these people and they're helping me in the middle of our suffering, even if it has nothing to do with the people, we begin to pull away from them. We begin to mistrust them. We begin to feel that we can't count on anyone. And then suffering becomes all the more difficult. It becomes all the more hard because we're doing it alone. So what do we need? What kind of help do we need in our Suffering. That's what happens if we don't have help in our suffering. But what is it that we need? What kind of help do we need? Because it doesn't have to be. Suffering doesn't have to be. And whatever you're going through right now, it doesn't have to be something that crushes you. It doesn't have to be something that the weight of it just, man, you're overwhelmed, you're stressed, you're, man, you're drinking too much, you're not sleeping, you're, you're mean to all the people around you. you. It doesn't have to be that. It can be something that we actually thrive in. So, so what kind of help do we need? And, and we might think, man, the kind of help I need is relief, right? Just take it away. That's the kind of help I need. I need this boss to disappear. I, I need these problems to disappear. I need money to up here. I need, I need some things to disappear and some things to up here, right? We might think that that's what we need, but, but James says there's a key that we actually need in the middle of our suffering that we don't think of very often. There's something that we need in the middle of difficult life that will actually help us, and it's not something that we often think about. And here's what he says, and this is kind of the point of this whole passage. He says that, and he says it multiple times, he says, we need patience. We need patience. And we don't often think about that, right? When we're suffering, probably the key thing that you think of that, man, if I had this, stuff would be better, is probably not patience. But think about it, without patience, our suffering is made worse. I mean, you've got whatever's going on in your life that's difficult for you. You have that person. You have that situation. You have that problem. But what makes it worse, what makes, what kind of compounds the suffering is the impatience we have. And that, that's true with the smallest things, and it's true with bigger things. I mean, nobody likes traffic, right? Nobody likes traffic. But when you're sitting in the middle of traffic, you might be late to work. You might, you might uh, hate that you're trying to have your windows down and fumes are just filling up your, your car. There might be all sorts of reasons you hate traffic, but you know what makes traffic worse is just the impatience in the middle of it, right? It's just like, oh my goodness. And nobody likes waiting in a line, especially at Walmart when there's 
300, you know, checkout stands and only two cashiers, no matter what time of, you know, no matter what time of year it is, there's always two people working at Walmart and 300 open things. I don't understand. It doesn't happen everywhere, but Walmart, they're just like, look, we've got all this and these employees. That's it. Sorry. And nobody, nobody likes waiting in a line, but isn't what makes it worse just our experience of the impatience in the middle of it, where we just, those feelings of, oh, that makes the suffering worse that you're going through, right? Nobody likes to be hungry. Nobody likes to be hungry. I hate being hungry. Some of you don't like being hungry. I hate being hungry. And in the middle of being hungry, what makes it worse isn't just the pain I feel in my stomach or my heart, but the pain, the pain what makes it worse is the impatience of, are they ever going to bring me my food? What makes it worse is just, I don't, what is going on back there? I'm, that's what makes it worse, right? Is the impatience in the middle of, in the middle of the suffering. And that's true with silly things. It's true with hunger. It's true with Walmart. It's true with traffic. But it's also true with other things, right? You're waiting for a diagnosis to come back. And that's hard. It's hard to know, man, I, I might be sick. I might be really sick. But what's even harder is the impatience that we feel that creates these emotions. Or, man, it's hard maybe to go through your life alone and you want a spouse. You want some sort of significant other in your life. And, and that can be difficult. But what makes it worse is the impatience. Or maybe, maybe life, maybe, maybe you've got stuff going on that even if you're honest, you would say, man, a lot of this is my fault just sin in your life, things that you've done and you're trying to change and you're trying to grow, but part of what makes it hard isn't just the effects, yes, but it's also the feelings of, man, when, when, when? That's, that's the word of impatience making suffering worse. When is this going to be done? When will this change? Is this ever going to be done? Is this ever going to change? See, impatience, there, there's whatever's difficult in our life, but then there's the emotional experience in the middle of that also that, that compounds it, that makes it worse, where we feel like, man, is this ever going to be different? See, that, that's the need for patience. Is this ever going to change? Will I ever get out of this? Will this ever be different? Or sometimes without patience, we just feel a lot of anxiety because we're waiting and we don't like to wait. Man, what's going to happen on that day? What's going to happen with that person? And we feel that kind of knots in our stomach or whatever it is where we just feel kind of torn up. James says, you know what we need in the middle of patience that will help us? That will help us. And I, this, is, this is brilliant. I love that this is what he offers because it's really wise. Because here's why this is so amazing. Your situation might not change. And if the help that we think that we need in the middle of our suffering, if the help that we think we need is simply for the thing to go away, if it doesn't go away, then we have no other recourse. We just feel like, man, if the only way that my suffering can get better is if this thing goes away, but what if, and often this is what happens, what if that thing doesn't go away? Then we think, well, there's no help. But I love that James ha says this as the help that we need because it's, it's brilliant. Because what's happening in your life might not change. What's happening in your life might not go away. The things that are difficult, you might have to be in for a long time. But what if the thing doesn't go away, but the emotional experience in the middle of it could be changed? 
That's, what, that's why James says, you know what you need? It's not just for the thing to be gone. What you need is patience. You know what will help you in the middle of your suffering and cause you not to complain against other people and make promises that you can't keep? You know what will help you, James says, is patience. And without this, a lot of times we give up. Something's really, really hard, and because we're not patient, we give up. Or without this, sometimes things are really, really hard, and without patience, we just get really bitter because we feel like, again, this is never going to change. I hate this. There's no patience. Or without patience, sometimes we knowingly say, you know what? I know God wants me to wait, but I'm going to go figure this out myself. I'm going to go figure, and I know probably none of you have well, I don't know this. Maybe some of you have, but I, I was just thinking of like a bank robbery as an analogy that y- you might know, man, I really, shouldn't, I really shouldn't steal money from a bank, but I need this and I can't wait. And so we go and get it. Now, that's kind of a stupid analogy because it doesn't probably apply to anybody or maybe it does. I see some, you know, some of you maybe have bags full of money right now and you're like, how'd you know? <laughs> but that same kind of thing we do in all sorts of different areas in our lives where we say, man, I, I need something. I feel like I need something in life, and it's not happening, so I'm going to do things I know I shouldn't do in order to make it happen. I will cheat a little. I will lie a little. I will deceive a little. I'll, I'll find a way to get what I need because I can't wait for it. This is why James says, you know what you need in the middle of your suffering that will help you need patience. This is why he t- says it at least four different times and talks about waiting and says we need to be steadfast because your suffering might not change, but this can transform your suffering. And, and just so you know, patience doesn't mean you don't do anything. If you're unemployed and, and man, bills are hard to pay, it doesn't mean that you just sit down and go, well, I'm just going to be patient and wait for someone to knock on my door and offer me a job. It doesn't mean that, right? And even the injustices that are in the world that we go, man, will this ever change? It doesn't, patience doesn't mean inaction. Patience doesn't mean we don't do anything. Patience is an emotional experience of being able to say, I'm going to be able to keep going even though this is really hard. That's what patience is. It's being able to wait and be patient. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's inactivity. So that, that might sound nice. Maybe patience would transform everything. Maybe patience would change whatever you're going through right now. But, but how, do we actually, how do we actually get this kind of help in our suffering? James says that if you don't have help in your suffering, you know what will happen? It's not just that life will be hard. It's that your relationships will start to get really difficult. This is what will happen. And if you're suffering right now, you know this. It's not, it's not isolated. That's part of what James is saying. When you suffer, when life is difficult, it's not isolated. It begins to affect the other people in your life, and you begin to cause suffering on them. And so you need help. And the kind of help that we need in the middle of our suffering isn't just relief. It's not just for the thing to go away. It's to be able to have a steadfastness, a patience, to be able to endure in the middle of what's difficult. But how do we get that? Because patience is great, but how do we actually get that? And this is the key. This is what we'll spend the rest of time looking at. And this is so important, okay? Because, man, this is what we say in suffering all the time. here's, Here's a phrase that we have that's not true. What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. What doesn't kill me, what doesn't kill, what doesn't kill me, doesn't kill, I'm saying it wrong somehow, but I, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Whatever. I, it's, you know what I'm saying. 
Stuff's not going to kill you, but you're just going to get, or pain is weakness leaving the body. That's another one, right? That gym coaches love to yell at you, right? <laughs> but, but here's the reality, and you, you've seen this. Sometimes suffering doesn't make you stronger. It crushes you. Sometimes, man, and, and I, I've said this before, I think just, and I'm, I'm not like a statistician, so I, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but I've seen more people that have gone through suffering and it's hurt them and made them weaker versus stronger. I've seen more people experience suffering in their life that on the other side of it are more guarded, no longer can trust people, no longer vulnerable, that are more wounded, that have a tainted view of God and, and find it really difficult, that have left the church and walked away from God, that have had broken relationships and broken marriages and broken family. I've seen more people that have gone through suffering where they, they can't say, yeah, it made me stronger, but they say, man, this, this wounded me, and, and I'm never going to be the same. And it didn't make them stronger. It made them hurt. It made them weaker. It made life more. I've seen that happen more. And th this is why I'm saying this, because I think, I think this is true for most people that we kind of buy into that lie of what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. But, but, I, but I think it's even more true for Christians. I think it's even more true for Christians because we've got a lot of Bible verses that talk about how suffering can help us. And so we think, man, I'm going through suffering, but I know God's going to use it. I'm going through suffering, but I know God's going to use it. And you know what? That's not true. It's not true automatically. God will use it. God can use it, but you have to use it. You have to use it. See, suffering can make you stronger. Suffering can grow you. Suffering can make your relationship with God more beautiful than it is now. Suffering can make you a person that's able to withstand things. It can make you a person that's more mature. It can make you a person that is able to face life and you kind of build up your muscles where things aren't as crushing as they used to be. Suffering can work in your life so that you're able to love and help others. That are Suffering can do that, but it's not automatic. It doesn't just automatically happen by the fact that you're suffering. If you just get through it, you'll be stronger. That's not how it works. God will use it. God can use it, but you have to use it. And here's what James says. James says, in the middle of your suffering, he, he tells us there's something that we have to do if we want to be patient. There's something that we have to do if we want this kind of help in our life. And here's what he says. Establish your hearts. He says, be patient. Establish your hearts. That, that's very active language. He's saying, look, in the middle of your suffering, if you want help, there's something you have to do. If you want to make it on the other side where you are stronger, if you want to make it on the other side where life is different, there's something we have to do. Establish your hearts. Fortify your hearts. Strengthen your hearts. You need to, do, you need to work on your heart or you won't be stronger. Your heart has to get established. Think, think about a house that's kind of crumbling in some way. Think about a, a fortress that's crumbling in some way. And James is saying, man, suffering is coming at you. There's, there's someone with a sledgehammer that's beginning to knock down your house. There's mold that's eating away at, at, at your walls. There's, there's rot that's seeping into the, the drywall, whatever. I, I don't build houses, but there's stuff happening. 
It's bad, okay? There's cracks in the foundation. Things are happening that aren't, aren't good things. Not good house stuff is happening. And he says, but you know what you need to do? You need to strengthen those walls. You need to work on, you need to establish the foundation. You need to fix, you need to work on it. He's giving us this image saying, you have to strengthen your heart. You need to establish your heart. You want patience? You want the help that that brings? You have to do something. You have to establish your heart. The help that we need is patience. But that patience only comes as we actually reinforce the structures in our lives, our hearts. It only, it only comes, patience only comes as our hearts are strengthened. Now, this might sound simple or maybe even just kind of religious language of establish your heart or strengthen your heart, and, and that's fine. But it's not really simple. It's not really simple. It's actually very practical, and it's actually something we don't often do because think about your suffering. I was thinking about my life this week and just thinking, okay, so what's hard for me right now? And am I doing what James is saying or not? And you know how easy it is in the middle of our difficulty to just, to just kind of push on and become actually more self-reliant and more self-sufficient where we say, man, some of, some of us are good at this. You, maybe you've had a hard life and you've learned skills, right? So you've had a rough life. And you've learned survival skills. So you, you know, man, life is hard, but it's all right. I, I, I got what it takes. I can push through. I can keep going. I know how to handle it. Some of you, you've, you've got that down. Some of us don't have that. Man, life gets hard and life is really rough. And it just kind of is crushing us. And it's, man, we just kind of, what, we find ways to escape. We find ways to kind of shut it out and not think about it. You might not like to talk about things. You might not want to think about things. You might really want to distract yourself with entertainment or, or alcohol or whatever it might be that helps you kind of shut out what's happening around you. But either of those strategies, both of those, whether you're somebody that's able to really push through and get with it or you're somebody that likes to escape and shut down, either of those strategies, both of them are relying on your own self in the middle of it. Neither of those say, life is hard. I need to strengthen my heart with who God is. So it might sound simple. It might sound simple, it might sound obvious, but isn't it true that that's not what we normally or often do? When's, when life is hard for you what, do you, what do you do? Where do you go? Where do you run? James says, here's what you need to do. You need to establish your heart. And he gives us, he gives us several examples. He gives us really kind of two big truths about God that we need to strengthen our heart with. And these aren't the only things, man, when you're suffering, again, the Bible says so much about suffering. And if life is hard for you, God has so much he wants to say to you. God has so much he wants to help you with. If life is difficult for you, the Bible is filled with stuff that God wants to help you with. And James doesn't say every single thing, but these are two powerful truths that, that can help us. Here's what James says. You need to work on your heart. You need to establish it. Think of these maybe as your house is crumbling, and these are two giant beams that need to go up to keep the roof from falling in. Here's what he says. First is, you, we, we need to, this, this is what will help us be patient if this works into our heart. He says, he is coming. Jesus is coming, or he, he uses the language that the Lord is coming, or the judge is coming, but he says, Jesus is coming. He's coming. 
See, in the middle of our suffering, it's easy to wonder, does God care? It's easy to wonder, does he even see it? Does he even care what's going on? Can, is he even involved in it? Does he even see it at all? Is, is, he, is he in any way kind of watching or a part of what I'm, what I'm going through? And, and James says, let me, let me give you an illustration. Let me give you an example. Think about, think about a farmer. And some of you, we do a garden, I think, uh, every year for the last several years. We didn't do one last year. It's a lot of work, but... Um, Here's what James says. He says, think about, think about a farmer. And what happens? A farmer has this big dirt field, right? They just have a big dirt field. Or if you plant a small little patch of garden stuff, you just got a big dirt thing. And nothing happens for a long time. Like, I hate radishes, but we plant them every year because they only take like 22 days. So it's just sort of like a feel-good, yes, I am a farmer, you know? It's just like a self-esteem farmer boost, which everybody needs. Um, James says, maybe life for you looks like a patch of dirt. Maybe when you're looking at your life, it just kind of looks like nothing. And maybe when you're looking at your life, it's, it's just kind of there, it's plain, nothing's happening, it's dry, James says, look, I, I want to give you this analogy of a farmer because they, they've got this emptiness where stuff doesn't look like anything is happening. And they might be working and they might be, you know, watering and they might be doing all the right things and weeding and tilling and, and nothing happens for a long time. But James says, you know what, though? Eventually... The rains come. Eventually the rains come. And something miraculous was happening under the surface. Some miracle was happening under the surface. And then there's a harvest. There's fruit. The rains come. And then you actually, this is what, if you've ever planted a garden, this is kind of what happens. It's, there's nothing for a long time. And then it seems almost like overnight, stuff just begins to sprout up. You get a good rain that comes in, and stuff is just there. You walk out, and there's a carrot, and it's just sitting there. And you're like, a carrot? This is crazy. It's actually underground, but you, you have to, it's there. You see the orange pop up, and you're like, there wasn't anything before. Never been so excited about a carrot in my life, right? I can tell you don't plant carrots, but that's what it would feel like if you did. And James says, your life might just look like nothing. But he says, God is coming. Jesus is coming. He's going to do something. He's going to bring about good in the middle of what seems like nothing's happening. Here's what this means. Change in your life might be really slow. You might be trying to grow. You might be trying to mature. There might be patterns and habits in your life that you're trying to break. Change might be really slow. It might still just look like dirt. And sometimes doing the right thing and obeying God. It's really slow. You say, man, I became a Christian. Okay, I'm going to try and get my life on track. And, and you start doing, but it's like nothing's changing. Nothing's happening. I'm trying to do the right thing, but nothing is changing. And James says, it might be really slow. Sometimes things get worse or nothing happens before it ever gets better. Change is slow and obedience is slow and loving people is slow. Maybe there's somebody in your life that's the cause of your suffering. 
and you're trying to love them and nothing's changing. And that's one of the biggest things that frustrates us is, man, I'm trying to love them. I'm trying to serve them. I'm trying to talk with them. I'm trying to help them. And nothing is changing. And it becomes draining. And we get impatient. And James says, it might just be dirt for a while. But God is doing something. God is coming. And James is talking about a couple different things. I mean, he's talking about one day Jesus will return to this earth and he will set all things right. All the things that were broken in this world, all the things that you were being faithful in in this world, like a farmer, and it seemed like nothing was happening. One day Jesus will return, and things will all be made right. I love how, love how J.R. Tolkien says it through one of his characters, that all the sad things, all the sad things will come untrue one day. And Jesus is coming. He will return. He will set all things right. But it's also true that in the middle of our lives, not just that day that Jesus comes back to the earth, but that God will show up in our lives. Like I said, that obedience is slow and loving people is slow, but God is doing something. The rain will come. God's faithfulness will come. James says we need to understand this. We need to look at the farmers. And James is specifically talking to people that are experiencing a lot of injustice in their lives. They're experiencing people that are mistreating them, that are harming them. And this is especially helpful for that. So if that's something that you're going through, James is talking especially to you. Man, if, if you have people that are mistreating you in some way, that you are experiencing either from a person or just the systems in our world, that you're experiencing injustice, James says that, the judge will come. Nobody gets away. This, this, is, this is beautiful truth for you if you've experienced this. I know not everyone has felt kind of the weight of injustice in their life, but if, if you have, if you felt the weight of injustice in your life, James is saying nobody gets away with it. Jesus will come back. The judge will come back. See, one of the things about God that we love to say, you know, God is love and God is patient, God's kind, and these really nice kind of some, for lack of a better word, kind of gentle truths about God. But it's also true that Jesus is a judge. And if you've experienced injustice in your life, I mean, let me even just be specific. If you have experienced sexual abuse in your life, if you've experienced domestic violence in your life, if you've experienced systems and structures or personal racism in your life, if you've experienced all sorts of different things where it's like, this is not fair, James says, the judge will come and nobody gets away with it. Nobody gets away with it. See, G G James is saying, look, we can be patient if we remember this. He's coming. We can be patient if we remember he's coming. And he even, he even applies this to us in the middle of our grumbling. He, he's, talk, he's using this truth to comfort us that he's coming, but he also brings it back to the, the grumbling and complaining that we do, saying, hey, the judge is... What, how would your life be different if you lived as if the judge was at the door? That's kind of scary, right? But if you lived your life knowing he's standing at the door, he uses that to say, look, you're, you're complaining against other people. You're kind of hashing it out. On, you're turning against your community. He says, remember, the judge is standing at the door. Like when sometimes I walk, my kids have their door shut, and I walk towards the door, and all of a sudden it gets quiet, you know. And I say, 
the judge is at the door. No, I don't say that. <laughs> I don't say that, but I'm going to start saying it. Um, it'll help them memorize the Bible. But, I, but I'm going to say, uh, <laughs> but it gets quiet, right? Because we behave. When you see those sirens come on, you start behaving. When you see the judge, we start, we start going, whoa, okay, I got to remember there's a judge. And James is even saying that for us to remember. Do you, what would it look like in your life if you remembered that God is standing at the door? And that's not to try to incite fear in us, but it's to say, man, we should live our life remembering there is somebody. There is somebody that sees. There is somebody that cares. There is somebody that, that wants us to treat each other in a certain kind of way. So he even uses that truth to help us. So he says this, two things that we need to establish our heart. First, remember this, he's coming. However you need that truth in your life, what if you begin to work that into your heart? That would create patience if you said, man, life might be hard right now, but I know he's coming. I know that just like the rain comes and it might be hard and life might just look like dirt right now, I know he's coming. I know he's going to do something. There will be a harvest. And then the second thing he says is that God has a purpose. How do we get this help of being able to be patient in the middle of suffering? We have to work on our hearts. Our hearts have to get established with the truth that he's coming and the truth that he has a purpose. That he has a purpose. And he gives us a couple examples with this also. He says, look, you don't always know, you don't always know what God's purpose is. And don't try to guess it. Sometimes Christians, it's like, I'm suffering. What's the lesson he's trying to teach me? What's he trying to do? What's he don't do that. But what you can know, what, what you can do that can help your heart is to know God does have a purpose. He is doing something good that whatever you're going through is not wasted. Whatever suffering that you've experienced in your life, whatever you're going through right now, it does not have to be wasted. God does have a purpose in the middle of it. And he, he gives us a couple examples. One of the examples that he uses is the prophets. And the prophets were in the Old Testament, beginning part of the Bible. And the prophets were people that spoke for God to God's people. But you know what? If you look at their lives, most of the time, everybody rejected them. Most of the time, they were killed. Most of the time, nobody liked what they had to say. Most of the time, people, people I mean, their whole kind of career was basically them telling people to do things and those people saying no. And that's a hard kind of life, right? And some of them were sawed in two, and some of them were beheaded, and some of them were killed, and some of them, I mean, all sorts, of, that was their job description. And he says, think, he doesn't even go into all the details because the listeners at that time would have just had it fresh in their mind. But he says, think about the prophets. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. Think about the prophets. They always talked about these beautiful things that God was going to do. They always talked about one day the Savior is going to come and make things right. One day God's going to bring justice and judgment to the things that are broken. One day they always talked about this stuff, and most of them never got to see it. Most of them never got to see it. But does that mean God didn't have a purpose for what they were doing? They didn't actually even see it. You see, God had a purpose for their suffering. God had a purpose for what they were going through. But you know what's amazing? They didn't ever even get to see it realized. And James is saying one of the things that we need to remember is that God has a purpose in what's happening. Just because you can't see it. Just because results aren't happening the way you want them to happen. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. It doesn't mean that God has left you. We're in very good company with people like the prophets 
he says. And then he uses Job as an example also. And Job was a man in the Bible. And you can read the book. It's a very long book. And it's all about this person's life that suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered. Everything pretty much taken away from him. And maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like everything's been stripped away from your life. And he says, but at the end, and in the story of Job, at the end, what happens is God blesses him. And God gives him tenfold of what he had before. And with Job, that was actual material possessions and, and all, on all sorts of actual tangible things. And that's not always true with us. It might be. There might be things that are taken away from us and God blesses us abundantly, giving, giving us more than we even had before. That might happen. That's not always what happens, and there's plenty of examples in the Bible where that doesn't happen. But his point is this. Job was a man who it felt like everything was taken away, but God had a purpose, and God showed up in his life and was compassionate and merciful to him. God had a purpose, and everything that was taken away, God was compassionate and merciful to give to him. And what James is saying to us is no matter what suffering you're going through, God has a purpose. And even when it feels like everything is taken away, God will still show up and give you his compassion and his mercy. And that might be intangible blessings or it might be an intangible blessing. Being able to know him more than you would have had you not gone through what you went through. Being able to have a deeper maturity that you would not have had had you not suffered. All sorts of different things. Being able to love and serve others in ways we wouldn't have been able to. So, as we end this book, we start where the book began. James started talking about the stresses and the troubles that we have in life. What, what is it for you? What's your troubles? What's your stresses? What's your difficulty? What, what's your suffering? All of us are going to suffer. Maybe you're suffering right now. Maybe you just kind of came out of a season of suffering, or maybe it's going to start today. It's always unexpected. Where are you suffering? It can break you. Or it can bless you. And strengthen you. And here's my, my just appeal to you is don't, whatever you're suffering or whenever you are suffering, don't just push on. Don't, don't just dismiss it or escape from it. Actually do what James says, which is your heart needs to be established. Your heart needs to be strengthened with things about God that are, you need to, here's what we need in the middle of our supper. You need to know him in ways that maybe you're, you don't know him yet. You need to know him and, and have your heart strengthened by who he is, James says. That's what we need. And here's what this means just practically for us. We need to do exactly what James does for us in this passage. James says, you're suffering, and then what does he do? He gives us three different examples, two from the Bible and one just kind of from life. See, because when you're suffering, you need to be able to see who God is in his word, in the Bible. That's why he says, look at the prophets. That's saying, read the Bible. Look at Job. That's saying, read the Bible. We need the same thing. In the middle of our suffering, we need truth about God, and that means we need to read the book that tells us who God is. And it means we need other people, just like James is doing for us in this passage. We, like, we can't really do it most of the time on our own. When you're suffering, it's easy to just see like this. And so we need James to break through and be like, hey, remember this about God? Hey, look at this about God. Hey, remember this example where God showed up? Hey, look, at, we need people to do that for us. So 
I, I just want you to leave here really practically with what James says, which is if you're suffering, don't push on, don't dismiss it, don't move. Your heart needs to be strengthened, which means you need to open up the Bible and see who God is, and you need to talk to people that you're in close relationship with and say, I need help. Life is really hard right now. I'm suffering right now. I need you to remind me like James was reminding the church here. I need you to speak to me. I need you to give me examples. I need you to help me just like James was helping us here. I don't want, I don't want suffering to crush you. We will suffer as a church. There will be hard things and difficult things in your life. And I don't want that to crush you. I don't want it to, to be something that leads to broken relationships in your life. And it doesn't have to. We can actually experience patience and peace and community and hope. And we can grow and we can say truthfully, it didn't kill me. It made me stronger. We can say those things. But in order to do that, our hearts need to be strengthened. And as we take communion, we remember we remember that we have a God that came into this world, that entered into the middle of our suffering, that is not absent from our suffering. James says Jesus is coming, and Jesus came also, which is one of the truths that we can use in our hearts to say we have a God that came, that entered into the worst part of human suffering, and his body, he felt it. His body was broken. His blood was shed. Suffering is not absent from him. He has tasted the full weight of suffering, betrayal, all of it. He's tasted, he's felt the suffering. He, he came and he entered in and he had a purpose. He had a purpose for the suffering that he experienced. It was to bring us life. It was to bring us hope. It was to bring us himself. And so when we take communion, I just want you to remember that we have that whatever suffering you're going through, as you, as you take communion, you're remembering, I have a God that suffered for me. What would happen if I strengthened my heart by knowing this God in a different way, in a better way? So let us remember this. Let us sing and we will close our time together. Father, I thank you that you came into this world. Suffering is not something that you don't understand. Jesus, suffering is not something that you don't get. You felt it in every way, and, and you came to this earth, and you will come into a suffering, broken world again. And we can believe that. So I pray as we take communion, as we sing songs, God, take these truths and make them more real to our hearts. Take these truths and deepen them into our hearts. And I, and I just ask, God, for my brothers and sisters that are suffering right now, where life is really hard right now, where this is not an abstract concept for them, but suffering is weighing on them. It does feel like life is crumbling for them. God, I pray, I pray, Lord. Just speak to their hearts even now as we sing and as we take communion that they would know how good you are, that you are with them, you are for them, and help them to take steps to establish their hearts and to talk to people to get help. In your name, Jesus, we pray.